guys, welcome to another episode of Laird Butter, the podcast. I'm Rodrigo Cockton. Hey, it's Rafael Cordero. And we have another good episode for you guys this week. Uh, as always, before we get started, we do need to deal with uh, the urgent, urgent, urgent Ooh. stuff in our housekeeping section. Uh, just a reminder that we are sending out the Nolan issues. You probably already have received either your your, your tracking code or you've received your issue. Uh, it's in my hands, Rod. You have, have it? it? Are you a yeah, satisfied customer, would you say? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love it. Perfect. So yeah, if you don't have it in your hands or you haven't received a tracking code, it's probably because you don't uh, have not purchased an issue of this magazine. Oh. And you can do so by going to layeredbutter.com slash store. Also, don't forget that you can always support us in general by going to patreon.com slash layeredbutter. And uh, yeah, for like the minuscule price of, of a cup of coffee, you can have your say in the way that we shape yeah. the future of this uh, magazine slash art book. Actually, you know, we're, we're officially we're supposed to be transitioning off the word magazine ref, and I forget to oh, do yeah. it all the time. That's but, okay. Because it's like a, a thick, robust magazine, right? Like it's it's a book. It's a good book, it's I would thick. say. It's, it's a thick. Boy. Tick. Yeah. T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> so, Ralph, let's time to get started. You know, you, so you may yeah, have man. heard his his uh, sweet little dulcet voice there. <laughs> uh, we have none other than our, our lead video editor, Lester. Lester, how's it going? Oh, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for having Hello. me, guys. This is gonna be this is gonna be super fun. Yeah, yeah for sure. And the reason why we have Lester is because we're going to talk later on about uh, the magic of movie trailers, and so that's fascinating to me. Who doesn't love a movie trailer, right? Everyone loves Everyone it. Everyone loves yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Who does for it? Sure. You have to love you have to love a movie trailer. So before we get started on that, though, we are going to tackle with the pre-show per usual. Uh, some big news is happening out there in the movie industry. Yeah. Number one, I guess, is that Amazon is in talks to buy MGM. Now, if you don't know, MGM is the studio that owns uh, some great properties like James Bond, Rocky, Robocop, and then some other stuff, too. They, they list out in this article, like The Handmaid's Tale, which I didn't know. <laughs> Legally Blonde, which I guess uh, does it not have a sequel. Maybe the Legal, Legally Blonde Cinematic I Universe is owned by, uh, <laughs> by Amazon. Anyways, Amazon will uh, bring it to life. The story is that they are offering roughly $9 billion to own Bruh. the company. Um, that is apparently in the range that MGM was hoping to get. They have been kind of, uh, they had their for sale sign up since December 2020. <laughs> And, you know, there's been some other movements happening in the same industry, like AT&T has spinned off their Warner Media division to join Discovery to form like a new uh, Voltron slash Transformer type uh, monster that is going to try to compete with Netflix and, and Disney Plus and so on. And so there's a lot of movement happening here. Rafa, let's go to you first. Like, what were your thoughts on all this stuff? Well, you know what? Just like the real estate market here in Toronto, I mean, it's hot. So I I, I would say that it's a... Interesting time for MGM to put up the for sale sign. And then mm-hmm. uh, I think it's it's a great move for Amazon. And, um, you know, I was talking uh, to a friend of mine yesterday and I was looking back to see some of the bigger streamers and production companies uh, or specifically production companies that are streamers um, that are, you know, entering the mix and whatnot. And I, I was, you know, I'm the biggest HBO stand out there. But mm-hmm. outside from HBO, I mean, obviously we have Netflix, then we have Hulu, then we have like Amazon. But I feel like... Amazon right now has a lot or they're banking a lot on their studio division and their production division with mm-hmm. our obviously Lord of the Rings. Right. And they want to bring all these IPs from potentially MGM over and build their library and their yeah. potential franchises. So I think this is a great move. I mean, $9 billion is, I mean, that's a lot of money, man. <laughs> yeah, so sure. I, I'm not surprised. I think it'll be a smart uh, move for, for Amazon to acquire it. Uh, I don't know what could happen after that. I mean, if Amazon does get them, 
I'm sure we're going to potentially get No Time to Die on Amazon Prime um, and some of these bigger franchises potentially, you know, uh, getting a, a jump start on their uh, on their uh, on their life, right back mm-hmm. back to the mainstream. So uh, I think that's interesting. Let's, but uh, you know, let's see what happens. Yeah, that, that, I, I would agree with a lot of your points there, Lester. What about you? What did you think when you saw this news? Honestly, I'm all for it, man. Like as long as I can see James Bond on Amazon Prime, I'm <laughs> yeah, you know seriously. What I mean? Like I'm just tired of subscribing to all these like platforms, <laughs> right? There's, yeah, there's there's a lot going on, yeah. right? So I think. I think this also lowers the field in terms of some of the um, production companies out there. I mean, a monopoly is building and then some of these bigger giants are going to start taking over some of these smaller companies. I mean, MGM is n- not a small company, yeah. but mm-hmm. I mean, like the field is shrinking, right? And yeah. then these, these uh, up and coming ones are going to take over and then, you know, we're going to get uh, a giant monopoly all over again. Yeah. And that, that was what I was originally going to have as my hot take for this week is oh. that I, I am apprehensive about this happening in the sense that it's like we're getting very close to the point where three companies kind of own everything right like it's yeah. not just even all movies but like you know the cereal that you eat the 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 stores where you shop like the cell phone like it's becoming uh very dystopian very quickly and like my only issue with this is like the movie industry is not just like say the the production and the distribution right there's other components to it and it's like a movie theater chain they're going to start having less and less leverage because they don't have a lot of other options to go to, yeah. right? And it's like these these big, massive companies can say, it's like, you know what? We're not putting movies into movie theaters anymore. We're going straight to our streamer. And it's like, what could the movie theater do? They, they could say like, okay, then I'll go to one of your other two competitors or so on. And it's like, at least before when they were a lot smaller pieces and buried, like they were holding each other in check because they couldn't really step too far out of line or, yeah. you know, like a movie theater could just go to a competitor. Right. And like, I, I worry a lot about that. And especially in, in the way that the, the theaters are currently like it, it, they're in a precarious situation. And so it's like seeing these distributors and these production companies really ramp up like their power. It's, it, it's becoming uh, an uneven equation is what worries me, I guess, but we'll have to see. I mean, i like, there, there are positives to all these things, like being able to, it's all like the alternative too is that we we're slowly getting to the point where we have like 22 different competing streaming platforms yeah. that we have to pay six yeah. bucks for each. And all of a sudden we're paying double the, we were, what we were paying with cable. And so it is kind of nice to see them uh, join together and, and make a stronger argument for why, it, man. Yeah, for why, what type of content they can offer. But, you know, just something to keep an eye on. Um, speaking of keeping an eye on, I know you've been keeping an eye on uh, some, some Reddit subreddits about production, <laughs> and you came to us with some big news. Big news that yeah, will be exciting for the musical slash maybe South Park fans. And uh, what is it? Yeah, so um, I was uh, on Reddit today, uh, as usual. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the movie subreddit, there was a post here by Bandwork. And mm-hmm. he posted up a, uh, an image of a front page from a magazine, Production Weekly. But this was back, I mean, the post was today. Right, um, which is the 18th of May. But this screen cap from a production uh, weekly magazine was from April 15, 2020. And the interesting part about that in the screen cap is that it shows Matt and Trey Parker's The Book of Mormon that hmm. is under production or it's uh, in development phase with a working title, right, called um, Alma Junction. And at least for me, and this, sorry guys, I mean, I, I wanted to put this in the, the pre show because. I'm a huge fan of Trey, uh, um, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and even more so with the Book of Mormon. And I think 
um, this production coming in uh, or bringing or blah, 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 rewind. <laughs> um, their I guess their first uh, motion picture in a while since maybe Team America. I could be wrong here. Sure but I think Team America. Actually, yeah, I think it was the last time they did a full feature. Um, this will be a live action film, I think. Right, um, and adapting their own uh, musical and hopefully doing the songs and whatnot uh, into a live action um, a film, I think is really exciting, and I, I'm looking forward to see more Matt uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker on my screens. But I don't know about you guys. I mean, are you guys um, uh, uh, South Park stands or musical stands? What's going on here, Lester? Why don't you answer first? Well, like I'm definitely a South Park stan. Okay. Musical, mm-hmm. maybe not so much, but bruh, like I do. Bruh, like you got to see this. Oh, hundred percent. I I saw the the stage play, right? And it was amazing. oh, you saw it? Yeah, I saw it like how, how many years ago? At least like six years ago, I think it was. Like one of the oh first runs of the yeah yeah the in Toronto. Like it was amazing. Uh, I was yeah. dying of laughter. Yeah, it, took, it was. I completely forgot what happened exactly. It was that long ago, but like I yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Re- it was one of the first like experiences in like like a musical musical basically. theater musical theater. Yeah, like one of my first ones. I think. Actually, no, I lied. It's my second one. My first one was um, The Lord of the Rings, if you remember Whoa. that. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I heard that one's kind of a, a trek to go through. It was trippy. I, I, the content. Yeah. Yeah, it was trippy. The content and the, and the production. I don't know. Rod, did you see Lord of the Rings? Did I have this conversation with you? Um, I don't think I have. No, no. I have like, no familiarity Maybe it was with- Jordan. Um, yeah, not Jordan Sloggett, Jordan D'Souza. Shout Jordan out, D'Souza. Uh, <laughs> multiple anyway. shout outs for that man already on the show. <laughs> I will say uh, for the the Book of Mormon, though, returning to to this, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm a little as a, like if it's been since 2020 or 2019, I can't remember when you said. Like, I feel like we would have heard more, and I haven't really heard anything. So then it's like suddenly making me worry that you know it's encountered some speed bumps along the way and perhaps it's either delayed or or you know i i'm not sure how typical the the long long uh, production ramp up is is for something like this i mean like uh i'll go into my, my into my hot take as well cuz i want to bring up movie musicals but um i i think it is unusual that it's taking too long but it's also uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know, I know South Park kind of goes in and out every year. It isn't as uh, frequent as it used to be before. So I think they're just taking their time, man. You know, and maybe when it's the right time, uh, they'll, they'll ramp up production. Maybe when COVID's over. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Well, wasn't that listening yeah. like on April 2020? So like that's really yeah, when COVID started. So I feel like maybe that could be an issue. Right. True you know say. I mean? True say. Maybe. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, you never know. Maybe that's why we're behind. Yeah, yeah And uh, yeah. One, la- one last topic I think that I-, I wanted us to discuss is uh, Collider put out this article about Nicholas Holt and saying how his best work comes when, you know, he's, uh, he's an offbeat type of character and not necessarily the leading man. And uh, Ralph, let's go to you with this one, too, because I know that you, you linked me to this article. And-, and so how do you feel about Nicholas Holt? Do you agree with uh, this, this, this proposal? Yeah, that- I mean, I-, I think Nicholas Holt, I think... He- at least for me, the, the one performance that sticks out the most, it's obviously Mad Max, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was just a really showy performance. And I think it's one of his most unique um, uh, performances that he's gotten so far in his career. Uh, he's doing great in The Great, um, if you guys haven't seen that um, as well. But the reason why I, I found this um, article interesting is I find that sometimes certain actors, I mean, I, I know it sounds kind of bad that they don't need to be the leading man or the leading actress, right? I feel like a lot of them 
have the charisma enough to steal the show from any from the you know the main character by having a really really strong character um, character actor in, in the supporting role, right? And I think Nicholas Holt has a potential to be like that. And I and you know when I think of character actors, I immediately think of Michael Shannon because whenever he's on screen, yeah. I think it fascinates me. And I think he's sometimes the best part of his films, right? Mm-hmm. That he's been on. And um, uh, Nicholas Holt, I think, is transitioning from that type of um, uh, career um, when he did, uh, I think he started, uh, he, well, he started his career with Skins, right? Um, and then show, he the built, way. hey, uh, and um, <laughs> he did X-Men for, uh, I guess, the new like series, right? Um, so he yeah, ventured like the first into class generation. Yeah. He ventured yeah. into like, um, franchise filmmaking there, but I think some of his, um, uh, interesting work is obviously Mad Max. Um, uh, and I think he was in a zombie film called warm bodies. Mm-hmm. So I, I think mm-hmm. he has a, he has a great agent. I mean, good friend for, for picking up these roles. I think he's a great actor too. Um, but I think the character actor and the supporting uh, roles in films are sometimes underutilized or underappreciated because sometimes they are the best parts of these films, right? So um, I think actors should ch- jump for it. They don't need to go for the number one on the call sheet, right? Mm-hmm. If they're like number five or number 10, sometimes you are the best part of that movie. Lester, what about you? Any Nicholas Holt roles that stand out to you? Well, like, wasn't he like the little kid in About a Boy? The one yeah, with uh, Hugh Grant. Oh shoot! That guy's come a yeah. long way since that. Yeah, Holy man. Holy crap! Hundred percent. Because it yeah, was yeah. that, and then <clears throat> Skins, which is an amazing show, mm-hmm. and then like X Men. Oh, he was in the favorite. The favorite. Oh, the oh, he was, was, was in the favorite. Yeah, yeah. But a very minor too. role. I was gonna say that yeah. it's like the downside of being like the not the lead actor is that a lot of his roles are somewhat like forgettable in the sense that it's like. He wasn't bad in any way in the favorite, but it's like he, he's not the piece that will stand out to you when you think of the movie, That's right? Like I it, about it already it. has, okay, like, fine. yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's a, there's a risk there. But I uh, here's the thing: I don't have a lot of thoughts about Nicholas Holt, and I was mostly surprised that this Collider author uh, put together this much this this long <laughs> this essay <much> about <laughs> about a, a man who I've never given a second thought to. But I mean, I do agree that it's like I, I read it and I was like, yeah, I agree with that, and uh, he's. He's never been like the weakest link in anything that I've seen in him with him in. Right. So it's like Mad Max or, or X-Men or the favorite or about a boy or whatever. I never, I never leave thinking it's like, man, they should have cast somebody else instead of Nicholas Holt. Like he's good. He's a very good actor. He's very I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't have a lot of extra thoughts after the movie's done, I guess. And I don't know, perhaps that's also, uh, my bias towards like the the lead actors and so on, and, and perhaps uh, you know his his kind of uh, like that's the price that he's paying for choosing these more interesting but not as the important price roles. that he is paying. Listen, I want to interject <laughs> here very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, top of your head, who is probably the best character actor uh, working today in your opinion? Gary Lester, Oldman. go Gary Oldman, right there, bro. But he's like a lead. Like I'm thinking of like, like I think uh, my, f- I, I, my favorite role is when he's just like a side character, like in like True Romance or something, or like I was thinking Woman in the Window, which was the, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> <laughs> the the best character actor is character actress Margot Martindale. Oh my gosh, BoJack Horseman. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man, that I was her, googling her character actor. And then autocomplete went to character actress Martin Mar- Margot Martindale. Yeah, because that's how she's described in BoJack. She's like, oh, is that 
character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, maybe that's that's the the right choice, guys. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things: movie trailers. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. Layered Butter is brought to you by Ola Translation, the leading Spanish-to-English translation agency. Pop quiz, Raf, how do you say layered butter in Spanish? Uh, le layered butter. <laughs> That's probably the French way to say it, but sure. Uh... The Hispanic population is one of the fastest-growing audiences in North America, so if you want your product to be found, it's time to reach them the right way. And you can do that with the help of Ola Translation. Raf, guess What? What? Layered Butter listeners can get 5% off all services by using our special code, and that code is... Butter! That's right, butter. So go out there and reach your customers in Spanish with the help of Ola Translation. And we're back. It is time to talk about... It's like, you know, we've been, we've been teasing this. We've been almost yeah, having man. a trailer for this, this conversation about oh. trailers. <laughs> Um, first of all, before we get started on this, I just want you to think, you know, visualize it in your mind. What is a movie trailer that is like structurally good? Like if you were teaching a class on movie trailers and you were like, let us review an example of good work. What comes to mind? Give me one. Don't give me like the, don't, don't, don't do cop out and give me like 16 different trailers. Give me one movie trailer that you think is a good example of the genre. Raph, I'll start with you. I had like a whole list. Um, Bro, <laughs> so here's the thing. I think one of my favorite recent trailers, and the one that I would probably, if you know, if I had opportunity to teach a class, I absolutely loved the trailer for Martin Scorsese's Silence. Mm-hmm. Now, oh. this is also a very underrated film. I think it's one of his best films he's ever done. But this trailer, I remember watching it maybe like 15 times the day it came out, and I was like, "Whoa!" But he, l- let me break it down for you. So, essentially, for those who don't know. The film is about um, two Je- uh, Jesuit missionaries who have to travel to Japan, feudal Japan, to find their, um, uh, their master, uh, Liam Neeson, who's been taken by the samurai and the, the local government there in Japan for preaching uh, Catholicism. Um, but this trailer sets this entire story up about this journey of two people, Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield. And mm. immediately, like the first 30 seconds, you know, they immediately just tell you the story. It's like, you need to go find him and you need to bring him back, right? To Portugal. Um, and the rest of the trailer, it's just high, strong music um, uh, uh, against the, you know, the beautiful scenery of Japan. But also, you know, um, we have the images of the Jesuits and Japanese who are being tortured for preaching their faith and whatnot. But I just found it, you know, the, the, the trailer teased enough to know the main narrative of the film mm-hmm. and to show the journey of these characters. And I think it added a, it added a lot of tension. It had those moments where you would uh, essentially feel the, the, the struggle of the journey of these characters in two minutes and 30 seconds, right? And I think when you're talking about structure, I think a good trailer has to have that tease of what the story is about. Uh, without giving everything away, right? And mm-hmm. at the end of that trailer, I was like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to get into while watching this film. I don't need to know the full three hours, which the movie is, uh, of the journey, because I think this trailer teased me enough for me to go watch it. So that's my number one take, I think, for uh, you know a structurally great trailer. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, we will get, we'll be talking about trailers for the next little while. So you will have a chance to bring up more and more because I know last yes. week you were just saying that you've prepared Ready. a list. A list. Of, <laughs> so give me give me your your good example of a, an effective trailer. Okay, I'm gonna go for like obviously there's like the obvious answer, like the social network trailer or like uh-huh. I don't know, the girl with the dragon. Mostly fuck all of David Fincher's trailers are usually Bruh. really good, right? But then the one I want to like talk about the most is uh, mm-hmm. Ten Cloverfield Lane. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that trailer. I, I watched it just before we did this, and that is actually probably one of the best ones I've seen recently. I mean, outside of Silence and some of yeah. the other ones I had on the list, but it was very effective. I, I, thank God someone else like like knows about that because like <laughs> it's such a simple trailer, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. so the song is it's I think it's it's I think we're alone now by Tommy James yeah. Tommy James and the Shondells. And like for the first half of the song, it's very like upbeat, very like and happy, like the song, right? So it shows yeah. you like all this family imagery, in quotations, family imagery. And then <laughs> halfway into the trailer, it's the same song, but they slow it down by like 15, 20%. And then the entire tone just changes completely, right? And then now you're just seeing images of like, like something is up. Like this isn't, this isn't normal. Like this, it's like um, something isn't right here. There's a lot of tension between like the few characters, like John Goodman, yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher. John Ga- yeah. John Gallagher, yeah. John Gallagher, you know. And but then, you know, like, I, I wanted to mention, sorry, I, yeah. you, you bring up tension, right? Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so effective. Yeah. And it, the, the, the thing is, like, it's literally just the song changing, right? It's just like, it, they just slowed it down by like 15, 20%. It's the same song as the first half of the trailer. But then also, like, as the trailer finishes, you unravel, oh, it's a, it's a sequel to Cloverfield. So it's just like layers upon layers just unraveling itself. I'm like, wow, this is, I remember seeing it in theaters. I'm like, well, I was so wow. ready on just the trailer itself, but now it's like, oh, it's a sequel to Cloverfield. Hold up. Even more. Even yeah. more. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this day one. No problem. That was it. I think if I had to pick a trailer to say, this is a, a good example. Like I know you briefly mentioned it. I would definitely say that the social network yeah. is one that stands out for me because I think, I don't know that it's my favorite trailer, but I just think that it does its job in an incredibly like effective way that is like easy to point to. It's like, look what it's doing here at this point. Look what it's doing here at this point. Like if you don't remember this trailer, it starts off very, very zoomed in to a a digital image to the point where you can see it break down into like its smaller component, whether that be like pixels or, or dot grid or whatever. And then it starts zooming out. And so it turns a digital image into a real life interpretation of important moments. Right. And immediately it's trying to set that tone for you. And you start seeing like all these key moments that we share on our social media platforms for better or for worse. Like, you know, like birthdays and engagements and and like going out with friends. It starts getting like intermixed with like, you know, status updates and so on. And so immediately it throws a, a person watching this trailer into a world that is very familiar with them. And just as about to your, just as you're like recognizing and, and uh, looking at all these images and knowing like, yeah, I know what this, what you're showing me. It then goes into immediately like a flashback thing where they show you uh, like Mark Zuckerberg as, as a Harvard student in whatever year uh-huh. it was. And um, so that, so then you know that this move, okay, so what this movie is doing, it's going to tell me the story of Mark Zuckerberg and so on. And like the music, like Lester was saying, music is an important part of, of movie trailers. I almost think like it gets away with it, but it gets very close to 
corny with like the the, the creep. Like oh. I think movie trailers, movie trailers uh, are like I think the Social Network manages to pull it off though. But it's like a lot of movie trailers are doing this now, where it's like some slowed down or slightly like off version yeah. of a pop song that it, you know it's it's a uh, kind of a cheapish ploy to get Bruh. people on board. Um, but I do think I will say that the social network does pull it off. I will say I, I, I don't fault it for that, but it, it there's some that try to do that, that, that fall short. The choir version the of choir. Radiohead's yeah. creep. Mm-hmm. got to say that. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the first time that was used in the trailer though. So I feel like that's like trend setting. Almost. It was, yeah, it I'm was pretty super, sure. super effective. Yeah. And here's the thing, like if yeah. you've seen the social network, like music and the score is a big part of it anyway. So I think yeah. that it's a nice touch to, to make music an important part of the, of the, the trailer. Um, but before we continue talking about trailers, let's rewind a bit. And Lester, the reason why we wanted to have you here is because you're, uh, I, I want to say the, the, the video editor that we've worked with the longest, because you were almost there from the get go. Right. Uh, yeah. I know we've also worked with, with Booth who, who has been on this podcast before. Um, but you've been there almost from the get go. And so you've worked on, I want to say, even if you have not worked on the trailer that perhaps was the one that went live at the end, like you've had a ver- a version of each one of uh, of these trailers, I believe, right? Like oh, for yeah, each one for of sure. the issues that we've published. And yeah. so, walk us through a little bit about your approach uh, as to how what what you do when you you have to do a trailer for for our magazine, which is a different type of project, I would assume, than a movie. Yeah. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Well, like the first thing I would do is find a good song that matches the tone or our topic, basically. Like, right? So, like oh. for the Tarantino issue, like I wanted to pick a song that isn't obvious. Right. Cause like with Tarantino, he has so many like iconic songs. He has like Miserloo or like Jungle Boogie or something. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to choose that. Everyone's done that. I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. So like I was just thinking to myself, what hasn't, what hasn't been used? What hasn't been used? And I'm like, oh, hang tight from Death Proof. Right. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. like, okay, this is a, this is a good song. It matches like, like Tarantino, like his tone, his style, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I got to make sure it could be edited down to like a minute. Right. Cause like some songs, it like, it like, I don't know, like a Radiohead song or something. It just like <laughs> really, really fucking builds or something. Um, so like the, what, what did I say? Like, so like Radiohead, like something like Radiohead where it like builds up, it mm-hmm. takes a while. Like you can't really have a Radiohead song condensed into a minute. Yeah. So like I gotta yeah. pick a song that could be condensed into a minute, but also um, like matches the tone of what we're trying to go for. Mm-hmm. So those are the first two things that I, I look for. Right. And like honestly, that's like the most important part of the trailer to me as like a person who likes trailers. Cause like most of the trailers that I'm attracted to is just like good imagery and good music. Like simply just those two things. Right. Cause there's some trailers where it's like super flashy. Like, Oh, there's titles. There's like crazy sound effects, like fucking bass yeah. drops and shit. I just want a good fucking song. I want some clean cuts, good imagery. That's it. Tell me everything I need to know about the movie. Right. So that's sort of like the, the main factor is the music, right? And like, mm-hmm. I try to keep it super simple too. Like, it's just, it's it's a minute long, and like, yeah. it's we're 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 playing the video on like most of, most of our audience is gonna be looking through this through Instagram, right? So like, right. Unfortunately, with like this generation, it's like you have to have like, you have to like keep them interested for a minute, which is hard. You know? Are you so, saying that it's too short or too long? Uh it's too, it's too long. Like a minute's perfect. What I'm, tr- what I'm trying to go for, basically. It's just right. like. Can't go anything longer. Can't go anything longer. 
on Instagram, you just you sort of lose them, right? Because like, yeah, it's it's so it's like a fine line between having like a trailer and a teaser, sort of. Yeah. So like, I have to keep that in mind when I'm cutting the trailer. Um, and like when I do cut the trailers, I I try I, I you can keep a consistent pace, you know, because like again, Instagram. People are going to tune out after like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. So you got to right. like sort of build to a crescendo and then bring them back down, you know, slowly build mm-hmm. up and then bring them back down. Just so like you, so you just like bring them along for the ride, like for mm-hmm. an experience. Yeah. And I think m- momentum is a very important part of trailers, right? Like if you, if it's all one note throughout, then there's yeah. not a lot of journey there. So it is important to, yeah. to have those quieter moments and build up. To me, I think one of the most effective trailers that, uh, that you, I mean, all of them have been great, but it's like the modern horror one stands out to me as something that I've revisited over and over and over that, again. And I'm wondering when you look at the trailer that you made for our modern horror issue, how does that differ than a trailer that you would make for an actual modern horror movie? Right. Like, how do you yeah. how, how is it mm. different when there's no narrative thread that you mm. that you need to to pull through? Well, simply put, you just throw in all the money shots in there. That's it. <laughs> That's right? all it yeah. is, really, right? Because like the with big one, moments with one horror film, and you make a trailer for it, you don't want to blow your load right away. You know what I mean? Right. You don't want to like, reveal everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, like with modern horror, we we're, we're like we have access. To like I don't know how many films we covered. Like at least twenty. So I have like mm-hmm. twenty films to like condense into a minute long trailer. Yeah. So I'm just like, fuck it, just throw. Throw some, throw all the money shots in there. We're good, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Throw- and it works, you know. Like, uh, uh, I think it, it is. I mean, all of them have been incredibly effective, but that one has stayed with me far after uh, I watched it, which I think is is always the, the goal, right? Um, yeah. So let's get back to I guess to, to movie trailers, Raf. Uh, what is your knowledge of how these things are made? I mean, to me, my first sense is obviously there has to be like writers and sound people and a whole team involved, right? But like, what's your your knowledge on this? Uh, I I mean I, I my uh, experience on set and everything like that I was never part of post, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is more of um, a lesser thing. So I'm gonna just crack a stab at it. I think the director, studio, um, and uh, potentially a writer, and obviously the editors just sit around and then they try to get out what they need to get out for this two minutes or whatnot. Now I know there's marketing involved, so they have maybe thirty seconds, fifteen seconds. Um, uh, or even, you know, the standard two minutes and 20, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to draft up uh, a hook for the audience and whatnot. But I feel like a lot of these, um, uh, trailers nowadays, and unfortunately I know we'll probably talk about this in a bit, but a lot of them are very generic. They, for, oh, they follow a formula, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just hook the audience. And then it just feels like the same movie that you've seen, you know, 20 times, over and over again, um, on a, you know, at your local movie theater for like on, on, on a, on a Tuesday for like six bucks. Right. It's, it isn't the, the big moments, uh, uh sorry. Uh, sometimes you've seen all the movie in a trailer and they, they, uh, as Lester said, they, they throw their money shots in there. Um, and then when you watch a movie, it's very generic and it's nothing there. I just think that the, the process of making a trailer now has been really broken down from, uh, building a great tease to just this is all the beats we have to hit and let's copy and paste those beats into this formula and mm-hmm. repeat it for X movies, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's very studio uh, formulaic, I think, nowadays. 
Yeah, and I think also like the timing of it is, is interesting uh-huh. because often uh, they have to start working on these movie trailers before movies are even done, right? And you know, yeah. it's like the Batman had it the 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 upcoming one with Robert Pattinson had its first movie trailer. And then shortly after that, we found out that like Robert Pattinson had to like they had to delay production because I think Robert Pattinson was either in. Yeah. So it's like it's like just just to give you that perspective that like a movie trailer is already out there and they still don't have all the final footage for it. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so sometimes that leads to them, including scenes or moments from a movie that don't end up happening once you go watch it. You know, it, it sometimes it, the tone may be a little bit different. So I think it's an interesting challenge that they, they have for yeah. for movie for making movie trailers. Uh, Lester, do you have any additional insight on, on the process of making movie trailers? Well, like, it's super interesting because like they start doing like trailers take just as long as like a feature film to edit. Right. Because mm-hmm. like you're banking on this trailer to get people in the theater to watch this movie. So like yeah. there's so many people involved just to make sure it gets done right. Cause like, I don't know, like hundreds of millions, like for bigger blockbusters, like hundreds of millions of dollars are on the line to yeah, make a good crazy, trailer. Man. Right. Cause a trailer is make or break for the movie mm-hmm. more or less. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the general audience doesn't look at Rotten Tomatoes, you know, they look at the trailer that, that at the start, that's at the start of the movie. Yeah. And if sure. they don't, if, if you, if they don't sell you on that, that's like a lost ticket right there. Right. Yeah. That's so, 15 bucks means 15 nothing. Bucks? Or 25 yeah. bucks if you go VIP. Or 25 bucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I only should. go VIP now, sorry. <laughs> For sure. We, oh, we just had this conversation recently. We, we're, we're not going back. Um, I, I do think, though, I agree that the trailer is like the main marketing push, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely something that needs to get right. Like, I, I was watching this video about movie trailers and they were talking about how for something like uh, th- these new bigger franchises, so say like, for example, like a Batman or a Marvel, they kind of have different marketing campaigns. And so each trailer works with the parameters of that campaign, right? So say, for example, right. if we're not going to reveal Spider-Man in this moment, then you yeah. can't reveal it in the trailer either. So you have to figure out a way to make it exciting and enticing without it. that. Yeah. And then it's like at some point later on, we're doing like a second campaign. So it's going to need its own trailer that then has this big moment surrounding Spider-Man. And so it's, it, I could imagine, it feels like the type of job where you get pulled in every single direction that everybody is demanding. Like, you know, you get it absolutely right. So, you know, my hat's yeah. off to, to uh, movie trailer editors out there. Like uh, Cameron Diaz in The Holiday. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but I think she is uh, a movie trailer editor in that in that insignificant. Is she really? Oh, really? Like in the beginning, she's kind of doing that with her friend before she decides that she needs to head out. What? Well, that's funny. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> you go, like on sc- on screen representation. Representation matters. That's yeah. how you know Lester and I have not watched The Holiday. <laughs> Listen, I saw it on is that the one Cameron Diaz? many. Many yes, Cameron Diaz, Jack Kate Black. Winslet, Jack, and Black, Jack Black, and Jude Law. They <laughs> they like switch places. There, yeah, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk also about teasers versus trailers because I guess if you've been paying attention, there is a bit of a distinction there. Now I'm going to throw out what I think the difference is, and then you guys can correct me if I'm wrong or if you agree with me. I think Bruh, a teaser. Lines. I think a teaser uh, is like a sizzle reel almost in that it shows you exciting things, uh-huh. but does not reveal any plot. Yeah. And then when you watch the the plot that you're more narratively in tune to what's happening. Would you say that's yes. right or not? Let's start with you, Lester. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Raph, you on board? 
Yeah, man. I, I think you, you nailed the distinction. I hope that's, I mean, I hope is right because that's the way it should be. A teaser should just be a tease. Here's some mm-hmm. cool images. Here's who's in the movie. This is when it's coming out. But we don't need to say anything yet because you should be already hyped from the 30 seconds that we just saw. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, though, that it's like the lines are getting a lot more blurred. Like there, there is an, a, a famous oh God, yeah. teaser um, that I don't think ever really went anywhere because of unfortunate events. So like, like the Spider-Man, I think it was Spider-Man 2, perhaps Spider-Man 1, um, where they were like robbing a bank, I think. And then they go into a helicopter and as they are about to head what? out. Like they get stuck and then you realize that they are like in a web and the web is between oh, the twin towers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so obviously this. This, yeah. this had to never see the light of day later on because of what happened on nine 11. But it's like conceptually you think about it. It's like that, that is meant That's just to tease. tease the concept, right? Like there's no narrative yes. connection to yeah. what the plot is about. And whereas like now I think there's no, additional effort into to doing that or like another one that's pretty famous is like uh, Austin Powers I think had a trailer before Star Wars and what they <laughs> ended up doing is that you you're zooming into what looks like a destroyed Death Star and you can hear the kind of like Darth Vader breathing and then just when you're about to see like the bald head that you may assume is Darth Vader without the mask he turns around <laughs> Dr. Evil right and it's like again this is obviously not part of of the film but uh, mm. it's meant to tease it and get you excited. And so I think like I kind of missed that. I kind of missed that effort, that additional effort. Like if it's going to be a te- like right now, what they show us, it seems like you, they're just showing us trailer one and trailer two. And yeah. It, yeah. there's really yeah. no difference there. And I don't know, like, how do you guys feel? Do you guys think that maybe they should put more effort into teasers? Or are you kind of happy with like more narrative information? You're asking uh, you. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of teasers. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, I prefer short, you know, like one minute or at least one, one twenty maybe um, of just a tease of what it is. And so I think some of the most effective trailers um, are usually just one scene. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know this is kind of cheating, but. During the time where, and Christopher Nolan does this all the time too, but um, for The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, if you watched um, X movie, you know, six months before, they will have the prologue, right? And in that prologue, they would show usually the opening scene of Nolan's film. But at the end of that opening scene, there's a distinct blackout. And then you see maybe 30 seconds of just a montage of scenes from that movie, right? That is coming up with no context, right? And I think something like that sometimes builds 10 times more hype than potentially just, you know, saying, oh, you know, uh, this is a narrative of the film, right? I just want to tease. I want to see the images. I want to see the music, maybe some of the actors, right? But I don't necessarily need to know what it's about. Um, And um, that's what I prefer. And then because if I'm so hooked by what that trailer or that teaser is, I will go watch it no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to know what the story is about. So. I think uh, studios need to take more time in crafting better teasers. And it could be as simple as it could just be one scene, right? A very short mm. snippet from the scene, a conversation, and then maybe um, uh, a small rollout of uh, images from the film. But there's no context to be given for us in terms of what the actual story is about. So teasers, please. Sounds good. That's Lester, me. how do you feel about it? So I'm actually going the opposite way. I do like uh, the longer trailers. 
but more so for the fact that what it can do, right? Because like yeah. with, with longer trailers, you're you're more or less telling a story itself, but then you also have the potential to like mislead people, right? Which really interests me. So is like something like the hereditary trailer. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, this movie, this is what this movie's about. I know what I'm going in for. Then when you see that movie, you're like, holy shit. I this I was misled. This is this is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I like the potential of that for longer trailers, but I really don't like trailers that sort of just summarize the entire film. Like, I don't oh, know. What, what's the most recent one? I think like one of the Fast and Furious ones. Hobbs and oh, Shaw. I was going to say, like, like dude, they told you the whole, that movie, that trailer was like four minutes long and they told you the whole uh-huh. movie. I'm like, what the hell is mm-hmm. this? But also <laughs> I was like, going to mention. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to mention today, uh, May 18th, they released a Dear Evan Hansen trailer, which is another musical. But mm-hmm. I felt like I watched an entire movie <laughs> just by watching that trailer. I'm like, <laughs> right. why? Why, why did they have to show two minutes long of this literally maybe act one and a portion of act two in this entire trailer? I've not watched yeah. a musical, but I feel like I know so much about it that mm-hmm. is, isn't a tease anymore. Right. And yeah. I'm, I, I feel like I know exactly what's going to happen. And that eliminates the purpose of a trailer. But go on. I digress. I just yeah. had to jump in there. Yeah. Like- no, I think that that's a good representation of what yeah. Lester's saying. That's showing too much. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I I I, th- I wanted to talk about like what makes an effective trailer next, and I think that's a great place to start because I also agree that showing the mystery kind of kills the anticipation for the movie, right? And it's kind of like, yeah. So it's like, for example, like the Godzilla. I can't even remember if it was the first one or the second one, but there uh, is a moment in the in the trailer where it's like you can kind of see him like behind mm-hmm. the clouds mm-hmm. and it's yeah. only really like toward the end that you're really yeah. kind of to piecing together where it is. And then just as you're like finally getting comfortable with almost seeing him, all you really hear is like the iconic scream and then it just cuts yeah. to black. Right. And I think that is done that that is more effective than showing us like Godzilla from the get go, because then it's yeah. like I'm building up my own personal excitement of wanting to imagine what he's going to be like, what he's going to fight, like how he's going to like, will he have like the, the uh, nuclear flame stuff that he does, mm. et cetera, right? So it's like, wh- what are some other things that are, are effective in a movie trailer for you, uh, Lester? Let's go to mm. you with that one. What makes trailer effective? Honestly, m- good music. I, again, mm-hmm. I, keep, I keep going back to music, right? Like, it's just, I love music and I love finding new songs and stuff that goes with these images. So like, when you get like licensed music in a trailer, I'm like, okay. I'm fucking sold already. I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that alone is what makes a trailer effective for me. And that's also why like all the trailers I've done for layered butter. It's, it's just, it's just a song and images mm-hmm. and straight cuts. It's very simple, you know? And it's that's, like what, that's what, yeah, exactly. It's just what I'm attracted to. And that's what I like to edit <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Raph? What's, what's effective for you in a movie trailer? So I'm going to mention something else, but, um, you know, Lester brings up music, but you know how satisfying it is when there's music, whether it's a licensed song or it's an original score and the cuts are timed perfectly with the music. I know. Yeah. And, and let's say there's an emotional moment or there's, um, uh, you know, a a jump cut, uh, at, at, you know, a specific time. Those moments are so satisfying to me. And I think that's what makes a great trailer sometimes because they pull you in and then you're engaged by the images and music and the experience. It Mm -hmm. isn't just 
necessarily, you know, here, here's, here's some marketing for you. No, you know, a movie is supposed to be an experience that you're supposed to enjoy and be a part of. And I think if trailers have that, um, uh, uh, Ability. I mean, they. I, I know they. They have the ability to. But if they are effective enough to use that ability to their advantage, then one hundred percent, I'll watch your movie, right? And I, I. And I think that's what more studios or more editors and hopefully market uh, marketing execs, you know, utilize in their work. But um, aside from that, you know, I want to use the Conjuring as um, an example because uh, the first Conjuring movie uh, with James Wan. Uh, not like, you know, the, the universe that they've spawned out from how many films they have. But um, the first trailer, I think, just used one scene, which I thought was incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. And it sold me on the film. And it's the scene where I think um, uh, they're playing the hide and seek, right? And then you hear the clapping, right? There, I think it's utilized the entire time. Um, uh, and there's hardly any cuts aside from whatever is in the... The scene, I sorry, whatever's in that scene, but we don't cut to a different sequence or a different uh, a point in the timeline. It's just that uh, sequence. Um, by using that one moment, I think will sell me more, as I mentioned before, um, into the narrative of the film because it's part of the experience. If there's a great scene with dialogue, fantastic. If you, if uh, if Aaron Sorkin just did a trailer with just his you know exchange and rebuttals in one scene, I'll take it. Right. Um, and I already know this is an Aaron Sorkin film. I know exactly what to expect. I love it. I don't even know what it's about. And then I'll go watch it. And The Conjuring was one of those horror movies where I didn't know too much of. And I'm, you know, I like horror, but I'm not going to actively seek out um, to go see it. But when I saw this trailer, I'm like, bruh, this is amazing. Let me give it a shot. And it was. So, you know, I, I like when that stuff happens. So mm-hmm. I guess on the flip side, something that doesn't work for me and I want to know how you guys feel is, uh, you know, they don't do this this anymore, but like, how did you guys feel about movie trailers that had that kind of, in a world where blah, 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 oh you know? Like, oh my God. I think like, I you know, like that, it. Like Sorry, that, and then also like the, sometimes they do like the, the just the, the written version uh, of that, right? Like say, for example, like the Scott Pilgrim trailer ends with like, it, it you know, time to get it on like Donkey Kong or some variation <laughs> of yeah. that. Right. So it's like, how do you guys feel about like these added things beyond like the regular scenes from the movie? Do you think that's effective? It can work in some circumstances. Like what's your, 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 your take on that? I think it can work depending on like what movie it's trying to like, um, what you call it? B B right. Like for Scott Pilgrim, I think it, it works. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. But like for other films, like it just, not. like i don't know i don't know what like an example would that be like i i think i'm looking back at like i'm just like the, thinking old, right now, the yeah. early 2000s right yeah um mm-hmm. and maybe the late uh 2000s as well um where we have you the one i always think of is something like um like sea biscuit and um maybe like independence day some of those i want to say cheesier films mm-hmm. where you would have that voiceover saying you know, as Rod said, in a world where mm-hmm. devastated by plague, blah, 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 one man has to find their way to yeah. know, save the world yeah. or whatnot. And that, I mean, it's cheesy, right? Yeah. And, and um, uh, I feel like the modern day of mm-hmm. um, uh, trailers is very different, right? And I think the preference is now we like watching what we want to watch today and the, the trailers and the styles that are active now, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Did that make sense? Am I rambling? I don't know. 
I think there's also been some some other like changes and distance from like an older style. Like I feel like classic movie trailers are a lot more about like the 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 jump cuts throughout, like you know, short quick scenes. And I feel like now they're a lot more comfortable with giving you like a 30, 40 second full scene and letting you sit with that emotion before kind of showing you more, right? So just like structurally it's been evolving and it's almost kind of like comic books right now are written in a very like it's it's unlike what they had before right like they've learned how to write good quality products in a comic book now and i think the same thing of tv shows like if you watch older tv shows i mean there there's obviously enough there to enjoy but i think like the, like they always say like we're living in the golden age of television because like television writing has become better as well and i think the same holds true for for movie trailers that it's like they've they've always done their job and they've always kind of been able to to like uh, get people into theaters to watch movies but like right now we're living at a point of time where we have I, and I think also the internet is responsible for this, but we have such a good understanding of everything that goes into making these that we're like living in a time where they've like getting very close to perfected the way to make a movie trailer, right? Like in a variety yeah. of things. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to get like cheap or shitty movie trailers because uh, there's always, you know, like the, the tendency to do like the easy, simple thing, but I'm just saying that there is the capacity and the capability for some people out there to produce like magnificent movie trailers that are almost as good or, or better than the movie that they are teasing is how I feel. Are there awards for movie theater, uh, movie, movie trailers? Oh yeah. yeah I think the golden, the golden trailer. I think it's like a little uh, yeah. camp type trailer looking thing that is meant to represent the, the movie the golden trailer. trailer? The golden tra- yeah. I don't oh, it's like, like the Oscars for trailers, basically Oscar for trailers. No, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And like why not? Right. Like, <laughs> like we were saying uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's like there's a lot more people that go into like there's a lot more work that goes into making a movie than just the lead actor and the director and the writer that we recognize. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So Fair uh, as we, as we kind of wind down on our conversation about movie trailers, I had a couple more questions. Like what are some things you think that somebody that is trying to to do this should pay attention to or should learn or or, you know, like should make their priority as they start to get into the trailer industry. And I don't particularly work on it, but my only suggestion would be that if you uh, want to work with movie trailers, like go out and watch every single movie trailer that you can (laughs) and see what works and what doesn't work. Right. And be analytical about what you're seeing. It's like, you know, uh, Lester, I know you had a, li- a list a list of a bunch of trailers that you said that that you were looking into, and it's kind of like that's I think what people need to do, right? Like I don't I I don't work in that industry, so I don't have this list yeah. ready. But it's like for example, like for somebody like you, like kind of what do you notice in movie trailers that is 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 worth I guess maybe sharing to somebody that that would want to follow that path. So okay, here we go. Finally, using my list. <laughs> so like the, the first trailer that really got me into like actually like. At watching trailers in my free time was mm-hmm. actually the girl with the dragon tattoo. Reading. I knew it. The, yes. That was the one. The and red like, band trailer. Yes. So like it's it's simply just immigrant song by Carrie No, Trent Reznor, Atticus mm-hmm. Ross, and just quick cuts, and then the title, the feel bad movie of Christmas. I'm like, dude, this is oh fucking my badass. Yeah, I, I love know. this trailer. But like that's the one trailer where it really like hyped me up, and I'm like, okay, wait, let me see some other trailers that like that I really <laughs> like, you know. 
And then like, I went down this rabbit hole and like, I went back to a really old trailer for Kill Bill. Like the one mm-hmm. a, a trailer before it got split up to two parts, right? Oh, wow. So like, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically it's just, it's like a montage of volume one and two to um, battle without honor or humanity. And like that trailer just blew my mind. It's just, and in big titles, it says in the year 2003, Uma Thurman will kill Bill. Kill Bill. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's, a fun, that, that's it. That's it. And then you have this one little thing in the trailer where you hear Tarantino just yell action. And I'm like, dude, what? What is this trailer? This is in yeah. 2002, right? Uh-huh. He's breaking the rules, I'm man. Like, You're hearing the director <laughs> say action in this? What is this? I don't know how to feel about this. That's another trailer like that that really stuck with me as a kid. And I didn't really remember that until now. When I, when I started mm-hmm. like researching this, um, this podcast, We're researching this, watching trailers, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another good trailer, more recently, another good trailer would be the Batman, actually. The one, uh, Matt uh-huh. Reeves' Batman. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize it was Nirv- Nirvana something in the way. I thought it was mm-hmm. actually like some Michael Giacchino track or something. And I'm like, oh, no way. That's fucking Kurt Cobain's voice. Yeah. And like, it just captured the mood perfectly. You know, like it was dark. Yeah. Gritty, mysterious. And I was like, okay, I'm sold on this. And I fucking <laughs> love Nirvana, right? Yeah. So that was it. So there, I mean, clearly there's a, a big connection for you between music and, and movie trailer, right? So I think yeah, exactly. uh, another good piece of advice would be expand your musical horizon. And, exactly. Uh, and, and find... Like find songs that hit different emotions because it's like, yeah. yes, you know, there there's movie trailers like the the Jackie one with Natalie Portman. Like if you listen to oh, the music, that one's yeah, obviously trailer. meant to, to to set a different tone than if you mm. listen like to the Ragnarok one that also has like the immigrant song, right? Like it's so oh, exactly. it's like yeah, the the OG, yeah. So it, it's like you you there expand your musical horizon because as Lester was saying, music yeah. is a big part of movie trailers. Raph, any any uh, last thoughts or suggestions for somebody that that wants to to learn to love movie trailers? I a watch movies. B watch more movies. C mm-hmm. watch your trailers. Right. Yeah. But I mean, in order for a great movie trailer to be created, you need to understand the film, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I think a lot of editors these days, um, uh, and no offense to you, Lester, because obviously you're not part of this, but I mean, for a lot of those major, major studio editors, a lot of them are just throwing stuff out there and sometimes they reveal everything. Yes. Right. And I, you know, I get that you're trying to uh, spin the narrative and maybe add some twists in there, but buddy, you don't need to put the entire, you know, 80 minute film into two minutes for yeah. us to know exactly what is going to happen beat by beat. Yeah. And then I will expect that when I watch the film. A trailer is supposed to be a tease, so make it a tease, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, you know, Lester brings up probably my favorite trailer of all time, which is Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to bring up some more, uh, uh, you know, subtle trailers, which is um, Todd Haynes' Carol, but also The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. And um, recently, um, uh, man, what's his Trey Edward Schultz's Waves, right? All three films are magnificent, but I feel like those films utilize their emotional moments a little bit more, um, and they don't need to overburden the audience with, um, you know, the 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 narrative straight in your face. Maybe they'll mention something very briefly, but just having those uh, emotional sequences uh, and maybe hints of 
you know, uh, the conflict there in the, in the images and also uh, montage that they show in their clips is enough, right? So don't go overboard. Don't show the entire film. Um, and you know what? Uh, I, I mentioned this before, but if, if the music lines up with the images, it's something like Uncut Gems, um, the Safdie Brothers trailer. When that music starts to escalate with the weekend yeah. in the background, and then um, the, the, the editing starts being more frantic, that is the experience. And that's exactly what you get when you're watching a Safdie Brothers movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, all, uh, these editors need to understand the film and, and understand the filmmakers um, so that they can bring that experience as a tease. So yeah. that's my uh, two cents in there, guys. Yeah, uh, as, a, as a, a former boss once told me, proper Bro. preparation prevents piss poor performance, <laughs> right? So make sure that, uh, you're not that, wrong. You, that you're reading up on what you're working on and you know that the person, the, the tone that you're trying to capture. Uh, before we wrap up for this part, I just want to ask you guys a nice, fun, loose question. I want to know if you guys can share a time where you saw a trailer in a theater and you bought into the hype immediately. I'll give you my example first. And I, I, first of all, I want to say, if I go into a movie theater and the trailers have already started, they are almost done. I need to refund that ticket and come. You will not fucking get me to watch a movie without giving me those. The, you know what? Fresh me. We used to work at a movie theater as, as a movie. <laughs> Here we go. As a movie is, is in cinema for longer. They have to cut the movie trailers that are yes. no longer relevant because movies have come out. Right. So sometimes I would go watch a movie and there was no trailers before a movie, even though I was there very early and it was incredibly frustrating. But that that's not the question. It's just me flashing back <laughs> like like if I'm a Vietnam veteran uh, to, to horrible memories. <laughs> what <And> the heck? <laughs> I will say what one one time that I do remember buying into the hype was that when we saw I well, I mean, maybe this is cheating, but it was like the the Nolan scene bonus scene that you got for the the Dark Knight rises i want to say the one with yes. bane yes, right yes. and it was like the 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 song the the desi desi basara song while they're yeah, driving yeah. towards the plane and then like they 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 bring bane into the plane and it's like that whole that whole thing like i saw that and i was like i need to immediately set my calendar and go buy these tickets for this movie because i i like i didn't, i don't even i couldn't even tell you what movie <laughs> that was a part of like i don't know what i saw after all that I left with was that tease of the movie that I wanted to see, right? And I think that is like the most, the, 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 the time that it's been most effective on me of getting me to buy into the hype of an upcoming movie. Uh, Raph, let's go to you. Do you have any memory of a trailer that made you want to go watch that movie immediately in a theater? Any alien trailer I'm a big fan of. So like Covenant and Prometheus, mm-hmm. I, I oh, watch yeah. because uh, again, I'm a huge fan of Alien, but the Prometheus trailer... I didn't know it was related to Alien until I did my research, mm-hmm. but just the, the style. If you watch the original Alien trailer, because the titles come up as a trailer is playing, right? Without any cuts. Mm-hmm. And Prometheus did the same. And then I think they kind of replicated that with the Rogue One trailer too, because they had um, uh, the sound, like the screaming and the siren in the background. Mm-hmm. It really reminded me about that stuff. But two things I want to bring up aside from uh, Prometheus and uh, Alien and all that kind of stuff. Was uh, where the wild things are, which used um, uh, arcade fire. Wake up, arcade, arcade fire. fires. Wake, yeah. Yeah. yeah, wake up, and that was amazing, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it it brought me to like I don't know a place of nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Um, which just is by hearing the objective, song. right? Like that's correct, the, <laughs> effective trailer. Mm-hmm. And I gotta I gotta give some props to um, uh, the man Tom Cruise in uh, a Mission Impossible Fallout, which is an amazing trailer. It showed 
everything. Show this man get destroyed half the time, but it was super effective. I couldn't wait to watch the film. And uh, you know, is it, th- those are. Is my, it the one with the explosion flying to the side of the car? You know, like no. where he's running. <laughs> That's and Mission Impossible. Oh, uh, sorry, it is Mission Impossible, yeah. but it's the third one. That's the JJ. Oh, okay. The one I'm talking about, Fallout, is the one with um, Imagine Helicopter. Dragons. Can't fight the friction. Yeah. Oh yeah, that the one. Helicopter yeah, yeah, yeah. one. And then you see uh, Henry Cavill pump his arms. Oh yeah, the <laughs> loading like the guns. His arms. Yeah. Yeah. loading the guns <laughs> with with the sound <laughs> effects <laughs> in sync. Yeah. So you yeah, know, yeah, that, that's that, effective. That's, that's yeah, Lester. What about you? What's what's uh, what's a time that you've been sitting in that movie theater munching on popcorn, see a trailer, oh. and you're like, I need to fucking see that. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say Prometheus, and then, but you already mentioned it, and that movie just hot garbage. Bro. But that's its own other. Oh, podcast, hey, that's well, his own other podcast, to that, I will say quickly on on Raph's thing. I the the one thing about the Covenant trailer that I do not enjoy is that they show that alien straight up chilling on top of that jet, and it's like it's against what we were just saying. That it's like, don't yeah. show us the monster, tease it. But anyways, uh, Lester, let's go back to you. So, okay, a trailer that really got me was The Handmaiden, actually. Oh, the the Park Chan Wook's trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, cause the song, I think it's called Red Sex by a band Bro. called Vessel. I never heard of them before. And like, it just captures that whole mood perfectly for that movie. And if anyone's seen the movie, it's just, it's like an erotic thriller. Oh my God, sorry. An ero- erotic thriller. <laughs> well, I just fucking slurred my words there. It's an erotic thriller, into and it. like the song just captures that mood perfectly. So that's one. And it's I the really editing like. too, man. Like um, uh, that that teaser. Uh, I think because me and Andrew Joe fell asleep. Also, we watched this movie at TIFF, and um, uh, I don't think the trailer was released yet, or I didn't see the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I and I watched it afterwards, and I remember saying to myself, "I'm like, holy crap, that's how you hook someone in." Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. the music, the editing. It didn't even give any context, but it was more than enough, right, to pull anyone in. Yeah. So I mean, oh, I sure. have I have a a feeling that we're going to hear a little bit more about the handmaiden uh, in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to <laughs> say that I I having <laughs> seen that movie, sorry, not seen that movie, but seen the trailer, I think it is incredibly uh, effective at wanting make, making you want to see this movie without really giving a clear idea of what this movie yeah, is no, about. Yeah, right? no idea like, about. The imagery is so vivid and, and so captivating That's that wrong. you're hooked immediately. But I know, like I said, when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more about The Handmaiden. But first, we're going to take another quick break. Raph, do you know, do you know what I'm a big advocate of? Video? Video. Established in 2010, Big Pick Co. has grown from a one-director production house to now working with some of the biggest brands globally. Above all else, Big Pick aims to produce work that is engaging, different, interesting, and essentially not boring. Raph, I think those are four words that I would use to describe you. Engaging, different, interesting, not boring? I love it. Yeah, there we go. You, you know what? Big Pick Co., wanted to make content that people were clicking on because of the way that it was presented. And one of the reasons Big Pig was started was because they felt they could create content that wasn't traditional and therefore provided more value to their customers. So if you want videos, what do you want, Raf? You want Big Pig Co. Let's go! And we're back. Raf, it is time yeah. for you to shine. It is time hey. for Film Club. We've been talking about movie trailers, so I'm hoping that you can give us a combo here. Give give us uh, an example 
of a movie where people can go out, check that trailer on youtube.com and then head over to their plex.com to check out the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I, uh, Lester brought up the film that I wanted to mention, which was The Handmaiden. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this film is by Park Chan-wook, the director of Old Boy. Masterpiece. And, uh, aside Stoker. from ha- And Stoker as well, and Thirst, mm-hmm. and I think Mother. Either no, no, that's, the, that's um, Bong Joon-ho, the other Korean oh, director. Yeah. Wow. But <laughs> racism. <laughs> Bro. Okay. You so anyway, um, the um um the handmaiden is an erotic thriller, but this trailer was so effective um to hook. I, I, I would say this is one of the trailers I would love to show anyone and just say, mm-hmm. what do you feel about this? They're probably gonna be like, That's so weird. This is mm-hmm. crazy. I don't know what's going on. But I think it's effective because of the images it shows, the visceral emotions it evokes mm-hmm. and there's a part in the trailer where it starts going backwards yeah like it goes backwards and forwards which is a strange creative decision but, mm-hmm. but it works. when you watch it works it works oh. really really well and um uh you know this is a film that's remarkably uh amazing too i i love this film yeah but i i i would say don't look it up just watch the trailer don't look up what what it's about um even the poster that it has for it the marketing for Beautiful. this film is great Right. Yeah. So um, you guys should check that out. So The Handmaiden by Park Chan-wook. For sure. I'll check it out. I have not seen it yet. I have seen the trailer, but I have not seen the movie. So I will Don't do fall that. asleep. Like well, it's, it's a long show. movie. It's like two and a half hours. That's okay. I've it's seen, still really good. It's still really good, though. I'm not saying it's bad. I can, it's a good movie. I can see the Irishman. It's a like commercial for me. Um, <laughs> guys, it is time for my favorite part of the show. It is time to do our hot butter takes. Raph, let's start with you this week. Um, you know, you, you kind of owe us a take since last week you, you did not give us one. So what's on your mind? <laughs> what's on your mind this week? What are you thinking about? You know, I was going to mention something about musicals because, um, you know, I think I recently saw In the Heights and then I also watched the trailer for Dear Evan Hansen. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like the magic is not going to be there. And I know I mentioned earlier this podcast that I'm excited for Matt and Trey to bring the Book of Mormon back to life. Yeah. Um, back to life. Uh, but I, I think it'll be interesting how it goes, but I don't know if it'll ever be the same. There is magic about the original content, right? Mm-hmm. Being performed on stage and being uh, for an audience that is live because you experience everything live. And when I was watching this Dear Evan Hansen trailer... Buddy, first of all, Ben Platt looks like he's 100 years old in this trailer, and he's supposed to play like a 17-year-old. I don't know what happened there. I mean, they have movie magic. They also have makeup and hair, uh, hair department, but his wig, and I don't know. It, it's a disaster piece. So when I started watching the trailer and I started hearing the music, a great way to uh, advertise this trailer is maybe just have the piano. Maybe mm-hmm. just have him on the stage and then just, you know, you're having hands. This is my life today. I, 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 you know, I haven't seen the play. So I I don't know what it's about, but I I think there is a lot of difficulty in adapting a a musical onto the, on the big screen and making it work because I feel like it's going to be very difficult to make it work. And sometimes it is just offensive to the original musical that Mm -hmm. was created. Right. So I don't know. Uh, I trust Matt and Trey because they're doing it right. They're, they're writing, they're directing, hopefully, I think that's the case, and they're mm-hmm. going to bring it to life th- themselves, and I, I can trust that they'll bring their visions to life the way they intended it to, and they're fantastic at doing that. My other hot take that I want to bring up is with all the casting with Knives Out 2, 
Where's my boy Brendan Fraser? I think he'll be great in this series, and I think Rian Johnson needs to take a look at his resume and have him cast in a small role. Hey, he's a character actor. He can play like the Michael Shannon role. Come on. So give him a shot, and I think he needs a revitalization here. He is only a character actor in that he he has been a leading man, and he's no longer that, I guess. I'm right? nice. <laughs> like He was the lead actor for The Mummy and like uh, George of the Jungle and, and I don't You're know. Dudley Encino Dude, right? Man. Like, Come on. Encino Man. Yeah, Encino Man. <laughs> So Bedazzled, sure, we, we can call him bone. a character actor. I would say maybe <laughs> what you mean as an unemployed actor. Oh, uh, oh <laughs> one, one thing though, before we move on for the dear Evan Hansen, uh, I, this is not my hot take, but I just want to say, why did they cast this uh, nearly 30 year old <laughs> man to play a teenager <laughs> and then fucking give him the closest, like you guys real, like movie industry people you realize that we have like really good tvs now really good computers we can pause that shit like the makeup on this man to cover his five o'clock shadow to make him look like a teen according to them is like it's like a pound of like heavy caked on makeup to it's like i don't know what's happening i I don't know why they they, it's he's not even like a big i guess you know like to the to the musical people and to the fans of dear evan hansen he was the man that started the role so obviously he'll draw them in but it's like it's not like a movie name right like the 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 people out there are not like oh my god this movie star is ben platt like i need to go see (laughs) this movie right like i don't know what his last starring role in the movie was he was like the magician in pitch perfect i think anyways i don't know why they decided to bring back this this ancient man to to play a teenager bring back Grand Moff Tarkin and um in Rogue, Rogue One, then they could make a better, you know, makeup job on yeah. uh, Ben Platt. But for sure, hey, what they do need, I know? They need that Robert Downey Jr. in uh, a Civil War de aging technology where they turned like Robert the Downey Irishman. Jr. Robert Downey Jr. looks younger in that cinematic piece than Ben Platt does throughout this movie. <laughs> is how I feel about it. Lester, let's go to you. What's your hot take for this week? Well, I don't know, guys. Like, what do you guys feel about Midsummer? Uh, I, I, I love fan. it. I'm Bro. a fan. Okay, okay. Well, I think it's overrated, actually. Like, <laughs> I'm in space. <laughs> I'm in space. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm. This is what the hot, hot butter take is for, right? Oh, my God. Like, this is coming from someone who mm-hmm. loves Hereditary and thinks it's yeah. like a masterpiece. And like, mm-hmm. I was like all over Ari Aster after that movie. Right. And going into like Midsummer, like, the cold open, amazing. Like I was hooked mm-hmm. yeah. right away. I'm like, 100%. dude, this movie's gonna be fucking amazing. I'm down. And then the yeah. moment they get to Sweden, I'm like, dude, what the fuck is this movie, man? The picture yeah. just goes all out the fucking window. Like the characters and dynamics are so thinly sketched. It's like hard oh. to like care about any of them. Then mm-hmm. you have like these two other characters were wanting to write a, a thesis. Like, and then that just gets dropped immediately. I'm like, what the fuck's the point of that, dude? What what is this movie? Like he he she like Ari Aster, he shows all the themes yeah. that he wants to talk about within the first fifteen minutes, and then he just throws out the window for like the next eighty minutes, and then he brings it back towards the end. And I'm like, what is this? Is just a messy movie. Like so, so I have the, no words. I, 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 I wanted to see a reaction. In the hypothetical hereditary versus Mitsumar battle for Ari's <laughs> best movie, Supremacy. I'm guessing that you are leaning towards hereditary. 100. percent Hereditary is perfection perfection love that love that that that, love that as a concept love that specifically because i know andrew peruch is going to listen to this episode yeah i know that's exactly why his mind will blow up 
you will have to be scraped off the walls because if there is a Midsommar fan uh, bigger than him, I have not met him. I don't think even Ari Aster <laughs> likes Midsommar as much as Andrew Perucha does. Guys, that opening scene for Midsommar is perfect as like a prologue, right? It's so and good. I think, like, yeah. Perfect. That sets everything in motion mm-hmm. and absolutely remarkable. Should it be a trailer? Probably not. But, you know, if 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 I'm watching you know, uh, Robert Eggers, um, the the Norseman in IMAX, and then right before it, they're going to show uh, that that trailer for, uh, sorry, that sequence in, in Midsommar as the prologue. I'm sold. Don't show me anything else. Mm-hmm. That is all I need. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of this conversation. Like I said, I want to hear, uh, you know I, what? If, you, if you're listening to this and you <laughs> like or love Midsommar or Hereditary, reach out to us. I want to hear your opinion of which one ranks better because um, I would love to, I would love to, I would love to see a Hereditary win here. Not because even I agree with it. I actually feel more strongly about Midsommar than Hereditary, but I would love to see my, uh, my, my friend slash colleague, Slash founder of Laird Butter, Andrew Perugio's brain just explode at the idea <laughs> that people could like hereditary more. So uh, I, I, let's hear it. Um, my hot take for this week is uh, here we go. It's not particularly <laughs> hot. I would say it's not like nothing super novel, but it's like I'm getting very concerned about where Stan culture is. Now, if you don't know, when people say it's like, oh, I stand <laughs> I'm something. A stan. Yeah, it yeah. is a it is a reference, I believe, and this is where you know, like, if you're an internet historian and I'm wrong, you can let me know. But I believe that standing something refers to that original like Eminem video, Stan or whatever that move one's called, where it's like the uh, Dido is doing the oh the, the chorus. That's where and it originated like, from. Yeah, I actually I'm your didn't fan, know that. Yeah, today and I like, learned. No like way. Obs- this is that obsessive dude, and um, so that that's just like common out there, like internet lingo, and it's like we w- w- that mixes in with like just a general celebrity culture that has always existed around movie stars and musicians and so on has made people get so involved in, in, in actors lives that it's like harmful for them, but also harmful for the people that are fans of this because they're all of a sudden getting to the point where their own fellow fans are starting to turn on them. And this kind of came up because uh, Henry Cavill was in the news recently. Oh yeah. um, Because they were saying that he had broken up with his girlfriend. And I think also that he had uh, stopped following like Warner brothers or something. And so he had to put out a statement saying, dear fans and followers, I wanted to make a week community announcement. It's uh, there have been a lots of, let's call it speculation for now about my private and professional partnerships. And he went on to say that it's like, it's not true. And that if he has something to say, he can say it. And then shortly after that, Emma Watson came out and said, you know, rumors about whether I'm engaged or not or whether my career is dormant or not are ways to create clicks each time they are revealed to be true or untrue. And it's like this is getting fed by a machine of fans that are so obsessed about these celebrities that they then start clicking on on articles that are just geared to make them more obsessed about celebrities uh, lives. And it's just cyclical and cyclical and cyclical. And the Internet is harmful for a wide variety of things. But it's also... Like, reach out to your friends, make sure that they are uh, supporting projects that they love in a healthy way, because it is become it, it is getting to the point where uh, fans of, of, of artists, of movies, of things, they're starting to lose like their grasp on what is uh, like rational behavior for you to support things that you like and what isn't. And it's fun to point at and make jokes and say, like, you know, this person is so fucking obsessed with like DC or Marvel or K-pop or Emma Watson or Harry Potter or whatever. But it's like 
we need to stop ostracizing these people and making them feel otherly, but actually get concerned and care for them and help them come back to a realm of like normal, supportive love for projects. And, you know, it just stood out to me because, again, the, these actors have to be out here tweeting to their own fans to kind of tone it down and step back. Yeah. But it's like been prevalent there for a while. And it's just like, you know, there's not much we can do, but at the very least, reach out. Like if you have friends in your circles that are like getting a little too out there, like chat with them, you know, don't don't make it a yeah. Twitter joke or an online social media joke, like care for your friends and families and, and support them. Well said, buddy. There you go. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not always a dick. Also, I need to formally <laughs> apologize to the Church of Scientology for my hot take oh. this week. No, I'm joking. I fuck <laughs> them. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, been bamboozled. They've been bamboozled. Yeah. I mean, if if one of our, our, our not so many listeners is is Tom Cruise or a representative of the Church of Scientology, then the only message they can take away from this is that really truly fuck them. I don't care. Um that's gonna be it for for this week. Before we go, we do want to remind you that you can always find us at LayeredButter.com and on social media platforms like Instagram at LayeredButter, Twitter, Layered underscore Butter, or Facebook, Facebook.com slash LayeredButter. You can find me on all social media platforms at rcocting, R-C-O-K-T-I-N-G. Like I said, I am trying to be better about posting things that I've Mm -hmm. seen on Letterboxd so that you can see what we're watching and comment if you'd like. Raf, where can people find you? Find me on Letterboxd, Raphael. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, J. Rafael Cordero. Nice. Perfect. Make sure you find him. And Lester, Short where, can and people, sweet. where can people find you? Find me on Instagram. My full name, Lester Lubigan at Instagram. That's it. Perfect. Hey, I want to shout out. Lester is a wonderful, wonderful editor. You guys should check out his work. He did a magnificent job with everything that we've done. But he's also done some other stuff. So you guys should check it out. Um, uh, Lester, I don't know if you want to do any shout outs here, but you've done some fantastic work as well. I'm outside of layered buttered too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've worked, like I've worked in the TV industry for like at least like nine years, but like you can find most of my stuff on like Discovery Channel, Amazon Prime, uh, hey. National Geographic, and then I, I don't know if I could say anything right now, but I'm currently mm. working on like a Netflix movie, but like that's all I could say. Damn, under wraps. That's it. Listen, that's it. You- <laughs> I, I, I'm under NDA. Can't say anything more, but that's it. If you want to throw more work uh, the way of this very talented man, slide into his DMs. He threw out his Instagram handle there for a reason. Slide into those mm. DMs. Uh, come up, come to him with a proposal. You will not regret it. That's going to be uh, it for, for us this week. We're, we will be back next week with another episode. But for now, it's bye. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Uh, stop recording. All right.